kind of just made this massive jump in social media and travel. Like when I talked to you last six months ago, like you were definitely like big on social media, but I feel like that has. But since then, it's been a little bit crazy. I set this goal to hit 150,000 on Instagram before the end of 2023, like very lofty. I kind of was like, oh, I might hit 100, but I hit 150,000 literally December 31st, 2023. I, yeah, it's been kind of crazy, but cool. And yeah, I don't know. What are the upsides to that? And what are the downsides? You know, obviously, I think people don't really comprehend the idea of like, I, I guess, being big on social media, like they see it as, oh, man, like that person's so popular. But there yeah. are downsides, like there are definitely stresses and, you know, just maybe burnout situations. So what are some of the highs and lows for you? I feel a lot of pressure now because I do, you know, I have a full time real job and I feel a lot of pressure to be succeeding more online and like leveling up there to a point where like maybe I could quit my job because people think that that's like the end goal and I think I get in my head sometimes like I have to do it all I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket so I I should keep both revenue streams and it's just a lot because of course there's more opportunities now I'm trying to balance everything and like I think I told you this six months ago I really have been wanting to start another channel for like my film stuff. And now I'm just like, I don't know if I have time, but it's on the vision board for 2024. So I I feel like everything you said is relatable. Whether somebody has 10 followers on social media, like if they just started and they're like, man, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Or if you have somebody with a million, like I just watched a video. I mean, we're going to talk about poor things today. So I watched this video from Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Yorgos Lanthimos. And they're talking about, like, Mark Ruffalo was like, hey, when somebody sees you in a franchise like Marvel for 10 to 15 years, you start to believe that you're that person. Like, you start to not really understand what creative element you have outside of that. And I feel like it's the same with social media. You know, if you create this persona, you kind of start believing that that's you. Like, you're that person versus, you know, maybe you do want to work a a normal job still, or maybe you do want to pursue other things. But there's just a lot of pressure. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm so, I have so many more interests outside of travel. But like people, you know, they think of me, oh, Rami, she's the travel girl. And if I start talking about other things, I don't know, people love to pigeonhole you. So it feels, you know, that's why I would start a whole separate channel if I wanted to talk about something else because people follow me for travel. And like that's, it is what it is. But it feels limiting sometimes. So Have you done, because you're going to set up a, which I would love for you to discuss, but you're going to set up a trip. Is it to Iceland? Is that where it is? Yes. Have you done one already? I have not. I've, you know, I've solo traveled. I've been on group trips, but I'm working with a company, a local company in Iceland now to bring a group of people to hang out with me in Iceland for a week. So I'm a little nervous, but it'll be fun. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you you mentioned, you know, these people know you as the travel person, like your Raimi travel, like that's your thing, right? And so is there maybe a slight fear of, hey, I want them to be able to understand like other parts of me and like other things that I'm interested in and not just travel? Totally. And like, is the person they're perceiving, am I going to live up to that? Am I going to like I can be a little bit shy. So are people going to be surprised by that? My actual personality? It's 
definitely intimidating. So far, it's a group of girls like age 25 to 34, which is perfect. I Everyone nice. looks really cool so far, but it's definitely nerve-wracking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're meeting random people. They're meeting you. They don't know who you are, but they know your persona. And you're traveling to Iceland, which that's bonkers. Are you are you flying to Denmark first and then doing like a little flight to Iceland? Is that how it works? I probably will because there's not a direct flight from LA to Iceland, but there is, yeah, either Denmark or Stockholm and then hop over or like New York to Iceland. We'll have to see. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's good. Wait, when is that? It's in August. So, you know, there might still be spots open as you're listening to this. If you guys want to come to Iceland with me, it's going to be fun. Yeah, Rami's cool. Like, I mean, we we know each other through this outlet. But even though, like, even then, I feel like our conversations have been so fluid. They've been real. They've been open. It hasn't been, like, stagey, which sometimes wow. it can feel that way. Um, so welcome back. Thank you for jumping on After Credits. Thank this is fun. You. I mean, we have a, a great conversation. In real life, hopefully, in April when I'm in in South April Park. yeah we could do like a live recording maybe that'd be fun let's do it yeah let's book a studio I know that there's plenty yeah. around here that we can book so I think that would be really fun um before we dive into the movie news I you know I gotta ask you I gotta be the stereotypical person now you know now now you gotta put your travel hat back on okay so before we dive into all the movies what are you what are your thoughts on this Alaskan Airlines situation and for anybody who doesn't know, please tell them what happened with this situation. Yes. So the Boeing 737 MAX 9, mid takeoff, a panel blew off um, of the plane and sucked people's phones out, sucked someone's shirt off their back and fell 16,000 feet into we don't even know where yet. But obviously they had to do an emergency landing. Thankfully, everyone is alive and okay. But that is terrifying. And these types of planes have had multiple issues over the past couple of years. Um, The MAX 8 had issues before the MAX 9. So that type of plane is just, I always look and make sure because they've had so many issues. I just don't want to risk it. Where do they, where do they show you that info? Is that like just booking on Delta or like, I guess on Google? Like, where do you see the, I've never seen the plane. I'll be completely honest. I'm just like, oh, it's Delta. I trust it. Great. Yeah. Actually, Delta does not own any Max 8 or 9 planes yet. They have ordered some apparently, but if you're flying Delta, you're most likely good for now. Um, Okay. But in, when you go to book, there's like a little drop down that says flight details. And that's where you'll either see like, Airbus uh, 900 or you'll see the make of the plane Boeing 737 Max don't I don't know take your own risk but there's also a Boeing 737 like 900 which is totally fine if it says Max that's the ones that have had issues okay so Max is no bueno I mean Max as a streaming service is bueno but Max as an airplane is no bueno okay yeah, that's good to know I, I cannot watch Society of the Snow I really want oh to. man but I oh my god it'll feed into my fear of flying but I'll watch it eventually I just can't do it before I have some upcoming trips so later have you can I give it? you a taste of it yeah can I give you a taste of what I saw in this movie yeah it, this is no spoilers I mean because this is based on a true event we know what happens if you want to look into the event. I will say this is the first movie I've ever seen where, you know, when you see a crash on, uh, you know, on film or anything, it usually shows like 
the plane crashing, whether it's CGI or whatever they're using, a mini model. And then they'll show like the actors maybe like jolting forward or something like just just very minimal, just showing that they crashed in this movie. They show they show the chairs like smashing people's faces in their leg. Can't do it. Yeah, it 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 shows everything. It shows everything, and And they do a really good job. Oh, it does. It does. Like it absolutely traumatizes me. I will say that's the first time I ever thought about the fear of getting in a crash because my naive self was like, oh, pilots can at least try to like like get it like flat to the ground or like parallel. But watching that movie, yeah. But and it does help, you know, it was in the 70s. They were over a mountain range. Like, I just don't know if I can do the visuals, but I've heard it's incredible. So I will watch it eventually. I, I wept. The The ending was really, really well done. And to your point, they they go on like this. It's a very small charter plane. Like, it's almost like going skydiving on one of those small planes. I mean, it's not that small, but, you know. But it's it, not like a big commercial normal Exactly. Plane. Okay, okay. I could maybe do it after my next trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's just, like, take care of all your massive trips, and then before you go to, like, Utah or something. like Perfect. then. I did watch a, a, I think it's a limited series or maybe just, like, a three-episode series on the Malaysian um flight that like disappeared yeah out of the middle of nowhere it was very lost-esque if you ever watched yeah it's like uh, yeah it's like sci-fi-ish yeah but that stuff doesn't scare you nothing like that phases you oh no it does i have a horrible fear of flying like i that's why i can't watch the movie (laughs) but you make videos about this right like you've shared tips that have helped you i've learned along the way a lot of things that have helped me without medication i will say because like obviously you could take medication and be fine but i try to do things without that um you know because not everyone has access to that so yeah i mean you know three shots of whiskey might do it for you if you don't have access to medication so i mean that does help it won't be cheap it won't be cheap um one thing that I was going to ask you about movies is, you know, this past year we had a lot going on. Obviously, we talked about Wes Anderson so many months ago, but now at the end of 2023 in 2024, I'm curious what movies stuck out to you the most in 2023 and what's top of your list, top of the anticipated list for 2024? Okay, so I kind of forgot that both, like this year has seemed, or last year seemed short and long. I forgot that like, Barbie Oppenheimer was the movies of the year, right? Obviously, those stand out just because that was a whole cultural phenomenon. I loved both for very different reasons. But I think the two that stand out to me the most that were probably my favorite films of the year were Poor Things, which we're going to talk about, and Past Lives. And again, both very different, very different movies, but I loved them both. And I still think about them both in yeah, almost every day. They're like my Roman Empire. <laughs> my Roman Empire. I like that. Well, I will say you have great taste because I think Past Lives, in my opinion, is the best romance film I've seen. Probably, I don't even know if I like. I would have to dig in deep and like put a romance listing out. But true romance films making you feel that way, and then Poor Things might be the most outrageous film I've ever seen. Like That's truly. Why I- loved it because it's so I it was shocking it will get into it but same it, I haven't felt that way about a movie in a long time like holy what yes <laughs> uh what about 2024 what do you what's on the horizon obviously June 2 because we didn't get it this year so I'm really looking forward to that finally getting 
You know, I think it's going to be even better than the first from what I know from reading the book years ago. I agree. And also um, Gladiator 2, which maybe is like a random pick, but I love Paul Mezcal. He's going to be in it. And I'm just curious what they're going to do with the story because it felt very standalone. And yeah, I'm just I'm anticipating. I, I'm very curious how it's going to go. They're filming in Malta, which Malta is beautiful. So lots of good things going for that film, hopefully. I mean, try not to get my hopes up, but yeah. Yeah, this a big risk, a big risk for Ridley Scott, in my opinion. I mean, granted, but that's why I'm like, okay, is it gonna, you know, I didn't really love Napoleon. So like, what, where are we going to go from here? I'm very, very curious. He's so lopsided. Like he, um, like he made The Last Duel, which I very much enjoyed. Nobody saw that film from 2021, I believe it was. Um, I will say my 2024, like horizon. I mean, I was a little bit disappointed because I read news that Mickey 17 does not have a release date anymore, which that's the new Robert Pattinson Bong Joon-ho movie, which sucks because that was like top of my list. Um, Joker fully a doe is, is top of my list as well. I'm excited for Todd Phillips making a musical with Lady Gaga being completely method as Harley Quinn. Um, there are so many, I mean, Dune, yes, of course. I'm very excited. I think Dune has the potential. I mean, now that we know that Denis has completed a third script, so it's presumed that they're going to make three films. This is our modern day Star Wars and it's lived up to it with one film. So I'm excited to see what our Empire Strikes Back is going to be. And that's this year. So there's a lot, a lot on the list. Beetlejuice 2. um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Beetlejuice 2 is coming out this year. Uh, we have a like legacy sequels that maybe mean something to people. Like Beetlejuice is not a great film, but it's a nostalgic film for me. You know, like I, I love it. So I would have to like dig in deep. I am going to Sundance. So at the time of this recording, if it comes out before Sundance, I've, I'm going to Sundance. If it's coming out after Sundance, uh, I'm assuming Sundance was great. It's next week, technically at the time of recording, two weeks. Yeah, next week, and I put I put all the films on my calendar. So I have a couple double headers. I am from the nineteenth to the twenty eighth. I am booked with, I mean, just films. You know, ten films. But some of us have to work normal jobs, as Ramy and I both are. You know, kind of. I, I don't know if you want to say victims of, but we we both. Yeah. Yeah. I mainly the weekends. That's what I'm scheduling most of my films around, and then late nights on weeknights. So. A lot of films to look forward to. There's some A24 products that I'm going to see. There's different filmmakers that I'm excited for. Like, there's just so many different films at Sundance because it's an independent festival. So it's very much low key. Um, We have a blizzard right now. So if I'm cutting out, that's exactly why. And that's what I imagine is going to happen. Oh, yeah. You're you're clear right now. I am. Well, I want to see all the like BTS content of Sundance. So please. I got you. TikTok or Instagram. I need to see it because I'm. that's like life goal for me to go. Next year, it's going to happen after I launch my film stuff. Yeah, I need to figure out what I'm doing with TikTok now. I'm, I'm definitely pivoting. Like that's been a big thing for me. Um, built, you know, a decent following on film news. But now I'm like, okay, I was making content for others. But now I want to make content for me, which is kind of more the podcast. I want to make films. You know, I want to make art. And so that way, instead of me providing something for somebody else, I'm providing something for me. So I love it. we'll see what happens. And in that, you're going to be providing really great stuff for everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. 
All right, should we dive into this? Should we dive into some movie news? Let's get into it. All right, before we give you the outrageous review that we're going to go through with Poor Things, um, some movie news with Mr. Tom Cruise. Are you uh, are you high on Tom Cruise? Or are you low on Tom Cruise? Give me give me your honest thoughts. I love Tom Cruise. I'm I think he's a weirdo, but I think he is a weirdo that is very interesting. And I like his movies. They're always fun. Like, obviously, he has some pretty bad ones, but I just think he's a weirdo and I like him. That might be controversial. <laughs> I think that's the quote of the podcast. He's a weirdo. That is interesting because I could not describe it better. Like, I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise guy, but which I get. I, <laughs> I get I watch products of his and I'm like, I love Top Gun Maverick. Right? And I just saw a few good men and he's really good in that movie. Yeah. But then you see him in some of these other projects. and You're like, eh, yeah, uh, I don't know how I feel about him. Yeah. Um, But big news coming from his corner. So Tom Cruise did sign a deal with Warner Brothers to develop and produce theatrical films. So these movies will be a mix of original productions along with franchises. And of course, they'll star Tom Cruise. Um, Cruise and his production company, which is Cruise slash Wagner Productions. I've never heard of this in my entire life. Um, They will have offices on the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank, California. Now, the deal is non-exclusive, which means that Cruise can make films at other studios, such as Paramount, which has been massive for Mission Impossible and Top Gun. Um, the last film Cruise made with Warner Brothers, any guesses? I mean, I guess you saw my outline, so maybe, unless you didn't see it. I don't it. remember. I was driving when I read, what was it? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow with Emily Blunt. Yeah, I actually like that movie. Yeah, there's there's talks of him doing a second one with Emily Blunt. So maybe we'll see if that's a Warner Brothers film that he's thinking about. Okay. So two questions. A, what do you think about this deal for cinema? Does it does it do anything for cinema? Is this just kind of like, cool, bro, that's that's awesome for Tom? Like any magnitude on this deal? I'm wondering like what his, it, does he want to just have more control over making the films he wants to make? I guess that's fine because- He'll probably be financing a lot of them, um, you know, right? I, so I I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like when Reese Witherspoon started her production company and they made a lot of great projects out of that. I think it was called Hello Sunshine or something. I don't know if it's still around, but there were some good projects out of that. So maybe it's going to mean that more and more people are going to do this to partner up with the big studios and like have more niches within I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a very, like, it could go any direction at this point. I think Warner Brothers looks at Tom Cruise and they say, hey, you know how to make money. Right. <laughs> so we want to bring you in because we're kind of slipping a little bit. You know, Warner Brothers has definitely been a little bit of a hot topic since 2020 when they did the deal with Max um, or HBO Max, where they essentially gave all of their theatrical releases to the service, the streaming service, on the day that those films released. And that was a very bad look for them. So I think that they're saying, hey, how do we get back on top? We're known as one of the best studios in the entire world. We want to stay there. Like, we want to be that that name brand. So I guess in addition to that question, do you personally have, like, a studio or a production company or a distribution company that you trust or that you see stuff come from that you say, yep, I'm on board? My favorite, and maybe this is yours too, is A24. I love the indie houses for the most part and i always know that i'm gonna like their film like i can't think of one from them i'm sure there's some but everyone that i've seen from a24 i love so i get very excited when i see that logo pop up on a trailer i'm like let's go 
I'm completely in the same boat. I feel like this is me assuming, but I feel like A24, instead of meeting with a filmmaker and saying, okay, pitch me your film, they're meeting with a filmmaker and saying, okay, let me get to know you. I want to see if you're somebody I want to invest in. And if you are, I don't really care what your film is, but I trust you. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what they've done because you get Bo's Afraid and Talk to Me and Past Lives and Beef, these like the most sporadic stories coming from one production company. And they've just done really good work. I mean, they've won plenty of Oscars. They've been nominated for plenty of Oscars. And they started as like the little engine that could a couple years ago. And now they're the most prominent name in the entire industry. Yeah, I just think that I know I'm going to get a, a real movie and not a blockbuster hit out of them. Yes. Which I think is the difference. And they're all, you know, they have their purposes and one's not better than the other necessarily. But I just like them better. I was about to say, are you more of a blockbuster or a, kind of an independent film type person? Yeah, I'm an indie film. I love foreign films. Art house, like that's much more my vibe. Blockbuster is fun though, but yeah. Sundance 2025. We'll see you there. That's exactly right. All right. Anything else on Tom Cruise? Anything else that we missed on him being exceptionally good looking at 80 years old? Just kidding. He's probably like 60. He's 62. I've looked it up because I was like, okay, why, why am I attracting this man? Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, that's it on him. Scientology obviously is doing him well. Are you, I don't, you know, if you don't want to dig into this, we definitely don't have to. But do you, are you like a religious person? Is that something that's like prominent in your own life? Not really. No, I just, I'm kind of like the universe, you know, there's something. I think there's something, but I'm not tied to one thing because they're all so similar. And, you know, what? I don't know. Scientology is the weirdest, most out there one though. And uh, my stepdad almost got recruited to them. How do you how do you get recruited? Like they they email you, they send you a letter, they find you in a store and say you look like our vibe. Like, yes, they approached him in a store and like brought him. I think he was looking for the bathroom somewhere, and they were like, "Oh, come with us." Da-da-da. They sat him in a room, and he I don't know. They were questioning him, and he had to run out of there. I guess it was like twenty years ago, but yeah, they just approached him and kind of like, wow, yeah, very interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I like the way that you put it, though. I feel very similar. I'm an advocate for just being the best version. So if that like Same. includes you believing in something, great. If it if you're you know atheist and you're the best version of yourself, great. Like whatever you believe in that allows you to be the best type of person you can be, awesome. Like I don't think there should be any power trip about religion. So what a weird transition into poor things, but we're gonna make it. Actually, this is not a weird transition because this movie. Oh, does yeah. have a lot oh, to God. do. Yeah. Yeah, it has a lot to do with about God. So um, let's dive into this. Uh, we will be talking about the movie Poor Things. There will be spoilers. I always try to avoid them, but at the same time, I don't want to deliberately avoid them. So there will be spoilers. This is your forewarning, but let's dive into this. So the synopsis for this film, to give a little taste for what this is about, it says, brought back to life by an unorthodox scientist, a young woman runs off with a lawyer on a whirlwind adventure across the continents. Free from the prejudices of her times, she grows steadfast in her purpose to stand for equality and liberation. Wow, what a great synopsis. They, they did a good job with that. Uh, this is directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. This is my first experience with, Lor- uh, with Yorgos. I've never watched any of his really? other films. Um, yeah, he made Dogtooth, The Lobster, The Favorite. Uh, do, you have, do you have one that you've attached yourself to that you really enjoy? I love 
the favorite because I love Emma Stone and she's also in that one. And this, Four Things, though, is now my favorite Yorgos film. I've seen all of them. Um, but yeah, my standout is The Favorite and Four Things for sure. Would you say Yorgos and Emma Stone are one of your favorite filmmaker actor combos? I think so. I'll watch anything they do. I yeah. Okay. Yeah, they they've had two feature films together, a short film, and now they're making a film called Kinds of Kindness. Oh, I didn't so know. So that's a film that's upcoming. Yeah, which is starring Emma Stone. So that'll be cool. Um Poor Things stars Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Christopher Abbott, and Margaret Qualley, which I love the reunion of Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley. If you ever saw Sanctuary, which came out last year, that was a great film. So this is rated R with a two-hour and 21-minute runtime. So before we dive into everything, give me your overall thoughts. Give me like a quick glance of what we're thinking about this film. So I, as I do with most films, I try to go into things very blind because I just want to have no expectations. I knew it was going to be a weird experience, but I just, that's all I knew. Um, Coming out of that film, I laughed out loud, which is very rare for me. Uh, I looked around in shock at other people um, and we collectively all were like, what is happening? I was inspired by the visuals. The acting was incredible to me. It was just a honestly a shocking film. And I think that's why I liked it, because I like when cinema makes me feel that way. Like it was like you said, something you'd never seen before. And that's how I felt and why I liked it a lot. Very well said. I think that is exactly synonymous with my emotions. You know, I think this is the most daring film I've ever seen. You know, probably, I mean, maybe not ever. Like, I don't want to put that staple to it, but it is very daring. I mean, this is this is made for someone, not for everyone. And I like when movies do that where they, like, Yorgos is very much like, I don't care if I make a lot of money. I want to make this the way I want to make it and not for the general masses, which is kind of my 2024. That's my mindset is like, yeah. do things for me, not for everybody else when it comes to creating art. And so I loved how deep this story is. It's very empowering. I think a lot of people, you know, because I just to give a quick glance of my experience watching this film, I, I went to an independent theater here in salt lake city with i think there were like six or seven of us nice and we we all planned on watching a movie and they're like well what's playing and i was like well there's two films that are getting some some sort of like hype you have poor things which i really need to see and then there's the color purple yep and they're like oh like poor things has emma stone let's go to that one i was like yeah absolutely let's do it so we go to this film and during the middle of this film i mean everybody <laughs> everybody's like looking at each other like I'm 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 like kind of zoned in but then I'm like I'm seeing everybody like what the fuck is going on like what are we watching right now and one of my friends left midway through the film like really? he, he had to go out I don't know there might have been a little bit of a like he he brought his girlfriend who their relationship's newer and so I don't know if he wanted to like I don't know be a good boyfriend I don't know if, if that makes sense but. it's not a movie I want to see with my parents it's not a movie I would want to see in a new relationship. Yeah, no. Yeah, you you, you want to you know you want to feel comfortable watching this film. So if that's going by yourself, yeah. if that's going with like some of your best pals, if that is going with your parents, if you're that type of yeah. person that you have that relationship, totally great. Uh, do you want to provide a quick 
overview of the plot. Like what what is this story? What is what is Emma Stone's character? What's her journey? Yeah, so I guess it's it's been said that it's a retelling of Frankenstein in a way. Um it's Emma Stone's journey from basically being a baby in an adult body and growing up very quickly to understand the world, what it means to be alive, what it means to be a woman and take control of her own narrative even though yeah, I don't I guess that's what that's the synopsis. That's right? great. That is great. Yeah. Yeah, I think the idea of experiencing the world and you know I, I think back to this all the time because I see these like poetry I, I follow these um, these like deeper meaning posts yeah. on social media and one of them was like isn't it fascinating how kids like children they ask you the most in-depth questions about existence you know they're like hey like why do we have toes like why do those even exist like why why does this happen and so seeing a film from an adult perspective with a childish mindset was so fascinating to me because we're experiencing it now through this child's vision rather than saying, hey, hey, it's a, you know, you have toes because you need to walk. Like always acting like these questions are are dumb or if they're bad, but in reality, they're great questions. And that's how Emma Stone's character was throughout this entire film. Totally. Um, big spoiler here. I'm going to just say this out front. You know, Emma Stone, at the very beginning of the film, she's she's pregnant and she's jumping off of this bridge and she wants to kill herself. Now, what the scientist does is he takes the baby, so the brain from the baby, her own child, and puts it into her head and then essentially brings her back to life. So she is her child. And that's the the Frankenstein-y type of element. He's reanimating yeah. a dead body. The difference is, yeah, it's her baby's brain. Which is, it's so crazy. Um I learned just recently while watching that that clip before we started recording that the reason why they chose and we'll dive into the the color schemes and how this all looked in a, in a little bit but the reason why Yorgos chose the way this this film looks cuz it's very fantastical it's very imaginative is he said look if you were a child experiencing the world for the first time this is probably how you're going to see it I love it's going to be very colorful very just imaginative very fantastical and I love that so we mentioned the idea of religion, which is so funny. I did not realize these points were going to connect, but they are connecting. Um, the story does expand on the idea of like a practical God. So they Willem Dafoe's character, I believe his name is Godwin. And he's kind of seen as this godlike character. Did that idea, did those like three stages of her being with him, seeing him as this powerful person, going through her own independent journey, and then coming back to him, did that work for you or did it not work? Right, because she even calls him like God, like she's talking to him. Oh, okay, God. Um, I think it works for me because when we're children, the only, you know, the only uh, inspiration and person to look to we have are our parents, and I think that they are that magical being to us growing up. Um, so I kind of resonated with that because that's your. Yeah, that's like who you are looking up to and how you're experiencing the world is through the lens of my my parent is the protector of me. They are the creator of me. They are, you know, and so I think I drew a parallel with that. Um, you know, I, I kind of didn't think about it as much about religion until we just brought it up. Yeah, uh, it all 
comes together and makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, three stages of life where, to your point, as a child, you're seeking direction. You're like, okay, where do I need to go? You think your parents have it all planned out. Let's be honest. As adults, our parents never had it planned out. We just thought they did. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to break free and find your own way. And that's the journey of Bella Baxter. She stops just doing everything he wants her to do because that's a big part. She's like, I'm going on my journey. You're letting me go. And that's that. And that's something we all go through in life as well. I love that. Yeah. And I think the end is so it's so symbolic of not only like your your relationship, maybe with parents or leadership figures or God in this case, but the way that Bella not only saw him, you know, saw God win, saw Willem Dafoe's character as this parental godlike figure in the beginning. But then at the end, she sees him as an equal. Yeah. And she sees him as a true connection. Like it's more like you're my friend. You're somebody who actually cares about me after I just went through a journey of meeting people who could not care less about me, people who just gave no shits about my direction and my journey. And then she kind of becomes that, like she becomes the godlike version in the the concluding scene, which is just outrageously funny with Christopher Abbott, you know, eating grass like a sheep. So I love all the animals and like the, the yes. heads. It was so funny. Okay, we have to talk about Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo. Like we we like I've gone too long in this episode where we we have to now. Like we're we're at the point where these are two of the most defining performances of both their careers. Yes. Um where before we dive into the details, where do these performances rank for you for both actors? Like do you have a better performance or one that you enjoyed more apart from these or were these number 1 for you? Oh, I in this movie or like out of any movie ever. Out of any movie they've done, like just the two of them. Yeah, in their own performances. Okay, so Mark Ruffalo, by far, this is my favorite performance of his. I thought he was maybe even better than Emma. I was, again, a little So good. It was just such a different role for him. And to see him be able to take on that range was, yeah, shocking. And I loved him in this so much. I feel like I haven't seen him... The last thing I saw him in was probably a Marvel movie. So obviously that's extremely different. And I thought he crushed it. I hope he is nominated for something. Oh, I I absolutely think that he'll be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. I think in his regard, you nailed it. You know, we've kind of seen this trajectory for his career over the last 15 years where it's been this stable persona. Even if he's not in a Marvel film, he's kind of Bruce Banner-esque in other projects. And, you know, Emma Stone, she's shared so much range, whether it's in The Favorite, but even in La La Land and even in the funny films that she's in with like Easy A if you're going back to her younger projects. But for me, I just think these are so like this is a rare moment to experience a defining performance. Like I think if somebody watched, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic or What's Eating Gilbert Grape, they're like, oh, my God, did we just discover somebody like did we just discover an actor And I feel like that with Emma Stone. Like, I think I'm putting Emma Stone in terms of 2024. I think she might be the most talented female actor currently. Like, if if I were to choose somebody for a lead role, I might have to choose her. Yeah. Just because I saw what I saw from this film. It's outrageous. And I know I've used that word way too often in this podcast. But yeah, she's incredible. Um, A lot of sex. A lot. A lot of sex. I was like, I wouldn't see this with my parents. Any takeaways? <laughs> I I think you said this in your notes. I don't mind sex in films either. I think 
it's a part of life and it's a part of experimenting and growing up, which is what this movie is about. I also think you said this was your first Yorgos film. Yeah. So he just loves to push boundaries. And I think he tests, you know, how far can he go? And I think he wants audiences to feel a little squirmy. And I that's why I like his movies, because they make you feel a little weird. And I think that's why maybe some of the scenes carried on a bit too long or they were just a bit too intense. But, you know, furious jumping is forever my favorite line. Not to be a spoiler, <laughs> but love that. Oh, I love it. That 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 is not a spoiler because of how ambiguous that statement is by itself, but how relatable it is when you watch this movie. Because somebody's like, "What does that even mean?" You'll see. Um, yeah, I, nudity in film has never bothered me. I think it's as long as it, it adds to something, totally. right? In this scenario, because this was definitely one of my like constructive ideas or constructive feedback points. Was like, okay, I think Act Two was a little prolonged. It, it definitely was like, okay, we we had kind of the same routine situation. It was feeling a little repetitive. Totally. But then again, I, I thought deep on this. And I was like, look, if we had eyes on us during the pivotal parts of us becoming adults, whether that's trying things that maybe we wouldn't want to try again, or whether that's us acting on things or making a decision that we might later regret, whatever that case is, that's kind of Bella Baxter in this moment where she's making decisions that she's learning from, that she's getting empowered from, that she's learning, oh, this has a deeper meaning to it. I never knew that. Yeah. Okay, now that makes sense. And so if we put eyes on us. Oh, I've done the same things over and over again before I really, you take something new from it every time. Yeah. So it is, yeah, it's very realistic in that sense. And very purposeful. And that's where, you know, at first when I walked out, I was like, okay, yeah, that was one point where I was I was feeling like it was getting mundane, but then at the same time, very purposeful in the sense that Yorgos had a, a meaning for every bit of this film and like what she's saying yep. and what she's doing and her interaction not only with these men, but also with the the like brothel leader, I don't know what you call her, but that like that one individual who actually shares the best phrase of the entire film, in my opinion. What is it? Um I put okay. Yeah, I put it in my uh my letterbox review. I'm gonna pull it up because I feel like it's worth oh, saying. Nice. I, I just I, it started stuck with using me. letterbox, which has been what? Yeah, I know. I just hadn't ever gotten it, so now I'm on there, and I followed you, obviously. It's like the most addicting thing, you know. I feel like this is yeah, yeah. Um, so the I put it at the top. The quote is: "We must experience everything, not just the good, but degradation, horror, sadness. Then we can know the world." And that just like punched me. That punched me so much because, you know, people always say, oh, isn't candy so good? Or like, isn't, you know, ice cream great or chocolate? It's like, yeah, but they're only good if you're eating vegetables and you're eating things that you should be eating or boring and bad. And yeah, you yep. know what the other side is. Got it. Yeah. You have to know the opposition in order to appreciate the other things. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mark Ruffalo, I will say I didn't really touch much on him, but he is completely opposite from his own personality. And that that's just one thing that I think is incredible. I laughed more at him than any other character in that film. I thought, oh, he's so good. This this is a laugh out loud movie, like especially for adults. Like I found myself laughing many times throughout this film, maybe when I shouldn't have been. But I know. Like, that's kind of the point of the movie, I guess. <laughs> 
Um, any guesses with awards? Like any guesses for both of them or even Yorgos? Like any guesses just in regards to the award I opportunities? I wonder if it'll go for best adapted screenplay because it is based on a book. Uh, yeah. My friend who I went with uh, had read the book and she said it's really different actually. The book is told from um, mostly Mark Ruffalo's perspective actually apparently. Oh, okay. So I, I wonder if it'll be up for that. I, Like you said, this is a film for some people, not everyone. So I don't know if it would win Best Picture. I do think the performances will win something. Either Mark or Emma, for sure. I like that. Yeah, I think they'll get a lot of nominations. Um, def- I definitely think Best Adapted Screenplay. I think this could definitely get a nod for Best uh, Best Picture. But I think Emma Stone has the best chance. Like, if they're going to win anything, and I put some down at the bottom of our list that we can touch on toward the end of the episode, but, I, you know, she just won a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy. Yeah. She's going against Lily Gladstone, which Lily Gladstone, her performance in Killers of the Flower Moon is more of a supporting role, which is funny. Not funny, but it's it's kind of confusing that she's going for this. Yeah. Like, yeah, for best best actress rather than best supporting. I think Emma Stone will win. I just think what she does is more bold, it's more daring. Don't get me wrong, like there are great performances, but she truly separates herself. The scene of her and Mark dancing was my favorite scene of the movie and I just think she is so brilliant in that whole sequence at the table doing the dances. That was what makes me think, yeah, she's going to win this. I mean, she sells you on learning how to walk, learning how to eat, learning how to talk. Like, she is truly a baby transitioning to an adult. And I just don't know many actors who could do that. I know. I just want to know the process she went through. Did she study little kids? I I would love to know. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo did mention that he's not really keen to doing any type of nudity or sex scenes in movies, but he said... While doing them with Emma Stone, he said that she was so loose and so light and she would make jokes in between like those Amazing. particular moments. Yeah. And that, I think, breaks the ice. So having somebody like that, I can't imagine if Emma Stone was like super serious the whole time and she's like, all right, now get off, you know, like get away. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but she's great. Let's dive into the world. Let's dive into the world that Yorgos created. Okay. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the cinematography, the sets? Uh, you had mentioned like the multi-breed animals. Like, give me, give me some of your your I thoughts think there. It's so imaginative. And normally, I'm not a huge CGI fan. And I, I, who is right? But this is a film in which it works. It adds to the environment, like you said. It's what a child might see as they're growing up in the world. And I think I've never seen CGI used in such a way that worked, didn't distract me, didn't feel like this is fake. Obviously it is, but it it just was so beautifully done, imaginative, colorful. I wonder, I also want to mention the costumes. Maybe there's a nomination there because I loved, That's true. loved, loved, loved all of her dresses all of the costumes in the film were great. I love that they go to real places. Yeah. They eat real food, but it all feels like like kind of a, a different dimension. It's like you, we have your ghost dimension of Paris, and then we have actual Paris. Yes. And he he just creates these these sets with, by the way, they're like, it's like paint, 
So he like had these paint designs and then there were, it was mainly LED screens around them. Wow. So there was minimal amounts of CGI, but when they used it to your point, very impressive, like with the animals and what they're just like the imaginative um, elements that they created. Uh, this felt very Broadway like to me. Like, I feel like if I'm going to a Broadway show, this is kind of what I'm getting. Uh, it feels like multiple stages or it feels like you have the stage in front of you and then the curtains fall and then they change the stage. Yes. And that's what it felt when they were going from Paris to Lisbon to all these different places. Uh, just incredible architecture, incredible colors. I think that this deserves a lot of recognition when it comes to the production and putting something like this together is very ambitious. So I thought one of the best parts of the entire film was the way this looked. Yeah, it was exciting to see what everything was going to look like as they went to all of these places, especially as my travel self. I'm like, oh, yeah, Paris like that or Lisbon like that. And I've eaten those little tarts that they eat. So it was really, really cool to see it kind of just yeah either you're a kid experiencing the world or you are on mushrooms that's what it (laughs) maybe being on mushrooms is the experience of being a child in an adult's understanding like you're like oh wait this is how it all is okay that's intriguing um we've had some major highs we've mentioned some of those which if you have more please mention them but also were there any lows like did you have any kind of hiccups or moments that just didn't work for you um, I would have liked to, I, you know, they advertised the film with Margaret Crowley. I felt like she was barely in it. I, what else would yes. she have done, I guess? But I was kind of excited to see her perform. And I feel like that wasn't really there, which that's fine. Maybe it wouldn't have added to the story. Um, I don't know. I think it was two hours and 20 minutes. Like you said, there were p- parts that maybe dragged on a bit, but that's your ghost. That's what he does. So me coming out of that, I thought about that movie for days, which doesn't happen, and I want to see it again and again. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. What, what are your lows? I don't think there are many lows in this film. I mean, don't get me wrong. My friends, when we left, they all hated this film. They did not like it in the slightest. They told me, they're, "Why?" They're like, "What did you think? What did you think?" And I was like, "I like this." I was like, "I think this is a really good film." They're like, "What would you rate it?" And I'm like you know, four out of five. So spoiler to my rating, but four out of five, like that's what I would rate it. And they're like, oh, maybe a zero or one, like nothing more than that. And I'm like, what's like, what are you talking about? So in my opinion, I, I would have loved to see Margaret Qualley more because I love her as an actress. I do think act two is a little prolonged. I think you could have cut that about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I think there are more highs, like even the score by, I think you pronounce it Jersk, your skin, Fendrix? Yeah. Um, the score was really I don't know if that's really cool. I will say at the beginning, the score was I have this thing called misophonia where like repetitive sounds really irritate me. And there's a couple oh. parts of the score where it's like and I was kind of getting irritated, like, uh, when is this gonna end? <laughs> You're like, stop. Yeah, but that was in the first very first act. I noticed that and it was kind of driving me mad and then yeah. Either I got used to it and it worked or it just changed. But it was super interesting. I've never heard a score like that before. Very, very different. I mean, this is Yorgos's first experience with an original score. I guess in in any of his other films, he never had an original score. And Jerskin, I'm just going to call her Jerskin because I don't know how you pronounce that. But she's also the musician that Bella like 
fixates on. So when you see that musician playing, that is that is the composer of this film, which is cool. really cool. I love when we um, do that. I know they they throw those little nuggets in. Alfred Hitchcock did it all the time. I think he was in nearly every one of his films. Um, I just think the premise is radically original. Like I I think if you want to empower equality and if you want to empower like liberation, you have a film like Barbie, which does it in a very powerful way, but it's also kind of funny and loose and 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 weird. And then you just get that in the same sense, but creating these stories that's not so in your face, like rah, rah, let's, let's have a speech, but it's more so let us help you understand what we're showing you and what's happening in the world. That's what Poor Things did to me. I just think it, it really provided a deeply empowering story. I mean, the humor is is there. It's present. So it's not just feeling like you're suffocating in some like lecture or some message like you're, you're having fun with this movie and you're feeling uncomfortable every step of the way i'm excited for you to watch some more of his films yeah the favorites number one on my list that i want to watch i do want to watch the lobster i heard it's very weird don't know it's what so to expect weird. margaret qualley is going to be in their new film so hopefully she'll have more of a bigger role yeah um, you rated this a four out of five is that what you said i did yeah go to my letterbox i think i yeah four out of five as well okay i will say I believe this film will win Best Actress with Emma Stone. I think it will win Best Production Design. And then I have a dark horse. I do think, um, what's his face? Ludwig Gorenson will win Best Score. Okay. But I think that I think that this is a dark horse. This could be like, you know, I think the the, the score of this, this film has a chance. Yeah. But when do the nominations come out? Very soon. Um, so the award ceremony is in March. So I believe it's like three weeks before. Yeah. So I think the beginning of March is when we get the nominations. Cool. We just got the SAG nominations and Barbie and Oppenheimer had the most. Yep. So we're, we're, we're in award season. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm so excited. I, it's also my dream to go to the Oscars, to go to any award show I would love to go. It's one of my top bucket list items. Whoever's listening, IMDb, send us there. Yeah, hey, IMDb, how about you send us, you know, why not? I will say going to Sundance was like one of my bucket list items, and now I'm going. And I'm assuming going to Iceland was probably a bucket list item, and now you're going. Yep. So I just think pursuing pursuing your craft, pursuing your dreams is something that is oversaid but underutilized. So it's like just, and just make it, it happen. We're just speaking it. it into existence. I bet you we will be at an award show. We will. I know it. We're going to figure it out. Next year. Yeah. Next year. Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> Your face is like, oh, I don't know. Okay, we're going to do it. Um, any last thoughts on poor things? Um, I think go into it with an open mind. I mean, we kind of gave spoilers away. So if anyone hasn't watched it, go into it with an open mind and know that cinema is supposed to make you feel weird, uncomfortable, question things. And that's what this film is going to do. It's not going to hold your hand. You're going to have to think a little bit. And I think that's what makes it so fun. Yes, that was great. That was great. I do think, you know, I've said this before, but when people ask me, like, what cons- what do you consider a good film? Like, how-, how do you say a film is good or not? And in my opinion, if the film allows me to feel the way the filmmaker intended me to feel, I think that's a really good film. And so this film is intended for you to dig deep, to feel weird, to feel uncomfortable, but also to feel empowered yeah. and to re- kind of root for this character that is very innocent, but very strong and has a very bold sense of experience and understanding. So 
I had a really good time. I think one last fun nugget that I, I found on one of these kind of trivia notes here. Uh, Mark Ruffalo had a lot of doubts about his performance what? while they were filming. Yeah, while they were filming, he kept he kept thinking that he was going to get fired. Like that, he mentioned that. And so next to them, because they filmed this all on different sound stages, so next to them there was uh, this film or this TV show being filmed with Oscar Isaac. And so he thought Oscar Isaac was going to be his replacement. Oh my god! And so one day, uh, Willem so Dafoe. <laughs> I know. Um, Willem Dafoe and Oscar Isaac were kind of in on this. And so Willem Dafoe brought Oscar Isaac to the stage that they were filming Poor Things and essentially told Mark Ruffalo that he got fired to no. mess with him. I know. I'm like, that's the, that's the worst thing you could do to somebody. But uh, they, they had to mess with him. I mean, he did so good. I think he... So good. Career-defining performance for him. Truly. Truly, if there's going to be anything that he understands from this film, it's, oh, maybe I should be more creative like this more often rather than being Bruce Banner in every film that I'm in. So, but that's it. Yeah, poor things. Four out of five from both of us. I think this is a great film. Go watch it. Watch it by yourself, maybe, or with some like very comfortable people, but just just understand the expectations. Or just that you're go going in with in. your cinemaphile friends. You know, I feel like yeah. people who really like art of film they'll appreciate it. Even if they don't like it, they'll appreciate it. So find Ramy in LA. Is that where you're at? Yep. Yep. Okay. I'll go again. Find Ramy in LA. Me find up. me in Salt Lake city. I'll go see poor things. Why not? Um, we end every episode with a movie recommendation. Do you have a movie recommendation? Can it be from any year? Any year. Yeah. It could be any movie. Ooh, oh my gosh. Okay, well, let me recommend a show because a show is at top of mind right now. I had never Love watched it. the first season of True Detective and it is phenomenal. Have you watched that show? I've only heard the absolute best things about two shows. One that you mentioned, Fargo and True Detective. Those are two shows that everybody tells me about. Yeah, okay. So I'm recommending True Detective season one, at least some of the best performances I've ever seen from Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. So good. Um, a movie I would recommend to everyone. What have I watched recently? Oh my gosh, you're going to be shocked by this. I know you love this movie, but I had never seen It's a Wonderful Life. And I watched it for the first time this Christmas. I was blown away by how similar the characters spoke to people in today. That was filmed in 1940. The themes were so relevant today. I could not believe how much I enjoyed that movie. I had put it off for so long because I thought, oh, it's so old. I'm not going to, it's going to be boring. It was so heartwarming. It was so good. So if you haven't been like me and not watched that this Christmas, watch It's a Wonderful Life. You have plenty of time. We have plenty of time until Christmas 2024. Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life is one of the greatest films, not only just Christmas, but of all time. Like, I think it's such a, a powerful film. I've said this before. If you're an adult, you don't have kids, you can't relive those those childish moments through their eyes. This is a film that you can watch and feel that nostalgia that you kind of ache to feel like you, you know, when you were a kid. Totally. Um, I think True Detective is a great pick. I've not seen it, but I say that because I've only heard obsessive things about the quality of this show. My my film recommendation is going to be Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, this is a... I Did you see this one? No, I need to watch. Oh my God. Okay, I watched this last night. I was going to go to the theaters. It's been snowing like crazy in Utah. So I decided to have 
a night in, but I wanted to watch a film that I needed to see. So this is a very well-acclaimed film that's going to have some award buzz with the Oscars. Um, It did win two Golden Globes, so I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. Um, This is a French-slash-English film, so you hear both throughout the film. Um, The premise is very interesting. I mean, from the get-go, it's deciding, you as the viewer, deciding whether this woman killed her husband or not. And this is from the very start, so that's not like a, a giving away anything, like, you have to decide as you're watching this film. And the star Sandra Holler, who is near perfect, like her performance, there's a scene that I teared up. In these, these moments don't happen for me often, but I teared up not because I was sad or because I was like, oh, like this is a, a moment like Society of the Snow, but because I was overwhelmed by how incredible this scene was. Wow. So I think it's one of the best moments, best scripted moments in 2023. I rated that film four and a half out of five, and I think it's going to win best original screenplay. So Anatomy of a Fall, True Detective, It's a Wonderful Life, It's Snowing. If you're in anywhere that's snowing, please watch that film. Um, Ramey, thank you. Thank this has you. been so fun. So this has been, fun. It's been nice to catch up. Like It's been so long. I know. Thank you so much. I'm glad we can make it happen. Absolutely. Anything else? Any any last bits? Anything else that you want to mention before we head out? Let's just, you know, go into this award season. And I don't know. I want to kind of watch everything that's nominated this year. That's my goal. So I'm making that my goal. If everyone wants to do that with me, let's do it. Because there's things that I have not seen, like Anatomy of a Fall. So I'm watching that tonight, maybe. Do it. I don't think you will be disappointed in the slightest. And that's a great thing to do. If, if you know, with award season... Um, find the movies that were nominated, watch them all, and then pick winners for the award show and watch it and then talk to your friends about it. It makes things a lot of fun. So everybody listening, thank you. This has been such a great conversation about poor things. Go watch poor things, um, experience it, talk about it, live it, uh, feel uncomfortable with it because that's the tone of the film. But until next time, we'll chat later. Peace. Peace.